Welcome to episode 49 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty guys, so welcome along to episode 49 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oves. How you going mate? Good, it's 7 o'clock on a Monday morning. We normally record the show on a Tuesday afternoon and this morning I'm off to Taupo at 11 o'clock so John came around and we're doing it early. <sighs> John just got hit off the bike mate. You got angry when you turned up weren't you? I did. Some, I've got a little scooter which I scoot around town on and um, some prick tried to knock me off. <laughs> he came here, he was an angry man. That adds to me nearly falling off my bike the day before as well. Oh, really? I had two crashes. Ooh. But wow, uh, getting it out of the way. Yeah. Anyway, Iron Man Talk is brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii at coffeesofhawaii.com. Nice, we'll go there for all your coffee needs. So anyway, in this week's show, we've got some news coming up. We've got website of the week. We may get an age group room. We've got someone we're thinking of, just time-wise, we may not be able to get it in. And we've got a high-five of the week, and one of you guys actually sent us through the high-five of the week, which is really cool. Uh, Coach's Corner, it's actually not really Coach's Corner, is it? Oh, we'll give it Coach's yeah, Corner. No, it's Product Review Centre. Well, Product Review Centre, and we're going to, somebody sent in a question on sort of the mental side of things, how we prepare oh, okay. for races. Okay. So there's a few little coaches. Okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you Coach's Corner for that. No interview? No, we're not, he's got an interview for having one. We're not questions and answers. So there you go, so that's our show for this week. Uh, so, first of all, news Malaysia. Wow. You keep we, talking because I'll get it we up. We were talking up the race last week. Like it was a very, very strong field, and people just capitulated. Yeah, it was carnage out there. Uh, you know, it was a very, very strong field, um, but a lot of the guys blew to pieces, and a lot of the girls blew to pieces. So, the way the race really unfolded, I didn't watch it in, in a whole lot of depth. But basically, Rhodesy was leading out of the swim. He was trying the tactic that he talked about um, yep. when he was around. The Rhodesy strategy. Lead from the front on the swim, bike, and run. Uh, and he did that for the swim and, and the bike and headed out on the run. Uh, but he uh, he blew up and he actually DNF'd. But he had a whole bunch of guys obviously sitting him on the, sitting on him during the bike. Uh, I think he had Xavier the flock. Um, Mitch Dean. He didn't quite close to the end. There was Did like 22 miles into it. Okay. Yeah, which is interesting. You thought he would have finished it. Yeah. So. But maybe blown up and slowed down by that stage. Yeah. So one of the big threats was Andrew Jones. Apparently he punched it towards the end of the bike. Um, managed to get back on and uh, if you maximise that page, so you can see all the splits. Okay. Um, but as the race really came down to a running race in the end, uh, Xavier Laflock from France, who we were talking up, he had a great finish to the race. Okay. Oh, I know you'll have to go to ironman.com. Okay. Um, so I'll keep talking. Xavier a flock. He, uh, he pulled away on the run to take it relatively comfortable, comfortably. Um, Andrew Johns uh, had a fantastic race and, and pulled up to second place. And in third place, we had Mitch Dean. They were all together off the bike. A very close race for second. Andrew Johns, 8.51.19. And uh, Mitch Dean was 851 43 I think it was yep. so close going and probably one of the, the impressive performances was in 5th place was Gerno Sidi from Austria and he was the only man to run under 3 hours, he did 258.51 so it really goes to show how, how tough a course that is I mean there's some quality runners there Xavier de Flock's a fantastic runner Andrew Johns, you know, world class over Olympic distance very good runner um, 
Petra Vibrusic, he's another really good runner. Stephen Bayless is a good runner, but none of them. There's just one guy that cracked. Well, you only hours. got five guys under three ten. Yeah, which is saying something, isn't it? It's just uh, it just goes to show how tough that course really is. Um, I mean, the course itself is not that tough, but just the conditions. It was yep. uh, well into the thirties, the high thirties, and uh, it's just just crushed these guys. I mean, Chris McDonald's another guy that blew up. Uh, Lothar Leader um, obviously raced very poorly. He finished um, in tenth place. Uh, so yeah, just a, a, it's a tough day all round. Did you watch much? No, because I, was, I, was, I had to work all weekend, so I didn't actually get to see any of it. I kind of caught up later on. But um, it's, it is interesting because they must know going into the race that they've got to control themselves. Yeah, but you know, and it's just it's you see it time and time again. Everybody yeah. just thinks I'm going to win this race on the bike, but it, it looks like I in guess, a race like that where the you know the conditions are so much more harder. Yeah, you know, you think, well, I suppose, Maybe. I suppose it's hard to let the pet go away, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was on the guy's side of it uh, on the girl's side of it it was also very interesting we had Nina Craft out there leading uh, early on mm. um, Bella, Bella Cumford rode up to her and then they both headed off into the run and they both DNF'd um, yeah. which, was, which was a little bit of a surprise I, was saying on the, I did catch this on ironman.com they were talking about how Nina Craft got to a hotel and stopped <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I didn't see that and they were, she was saying that it was her last race Oh really? Well, in theory, they're saying that sometimes athletes say that, but oh, yeah, she declaimed that. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, what, how it sort of unfolded is, yeah, those two were on the bike, and then they got joined by uh, Alison Fitch. So the three of them came off the bike together, and then um, headed off on the run. And the, the, Nina and uh, and Bella uh, both DNF. I think Bella was leading at one stage, yep. and then um, she pulled out. So Alison Fitch uh, by default went straight into the lead. But the big uh, move on the run came from Nicole Leader. Uh, pretty impressive run, three seventeen in those conditions. When you consider, like you said, only a handful of guys went under three ten. Very good run uh, and ended up taking it pretty comfortably. She swam 56, she rode 5.24 and ran 3.17 for a 9.42. Yep. Alison Fitch was in second in 9 hours and 50. And Yoko Hori, who is a Japanese girl who races in New Zealand. Zealand it's uh, interesting because she's a good runner, so she must have blown up. She went a bit hard on a bike, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, And the other one I read, Rebecca Preston, she was in fourth, um, which you know you might on the, the face of it think, I'm oh, not such a good race for her, but apparently she's only been doing... Done three weeks training, so she she considered it a pretty good result, and she was pretty happy. Wow! Um, but yeah, a tough day out there again. Um, you can see like Charlotte Paul, who's a good athlete. Uh, she blew out with a five twenty marathon, doing twelve twelve oh four. It would be a great race to watch one of those races where everyone's blowing up. Yeah, you know, because the race coming into the run, there was obviously a big change in what was happening in the race. Like in New Zealand, well, this year will be different, but often. Cameron just basically ends up taking the run eventually, and it's kind of obvious what's going to happen in a lot of the kind of races where you don't get the top pros. Mm. But with this race, they had the top pros, and they're obviously being really aggressive and just watching them fall over yeah, one just by fall one. Over and, <laughs> and it really obviously just died. Yeah, you know, because they're pulling out, not just you know having a bad time. So yeah. it is. I find it interesting. I mean, I've raced in Malaysia, and when you talk about the temperatures, it's probably not that much hot. It doesn't seem like it is in Hawaii, but uh, it's just. Weird, you know, it's just that, that humidity and the there's no respite, and I know there's no respite in Hawaii, but you see people blowing up in Hawaii, but it doesn't seem to, to be quite the same extent as than they do in. Um, so Malaysia's Malaysia. harder, you think, in conditions? It certainly seems that way. I've never done nine, man. I've just done an Olympic distance race there, and well, obviously time-wise, like I know it's not during the field you get in Hawaii, but only eight forty, yeah, wasn't it? and yeah, those it's guys high are, are, are good athletes, yeah, they're really good athletes. So Xavier Flock, if he was doing Taupo, he's finished third there, I think. Yeah, probably going around about the high eight twenties. Yeah. So yeah, tough, tough day. But apparently they did include a few hills on the course this year. Yep. Um. So 
<clears throat> a little bit tougher, but um, well done to the guys that survived that. And um, I'm sure there'll be a few Hawaii qualifiers out there, and they'll certainly be well prepared for Hawaii later in the year. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we've got Ironman New Zealand coming up. It's pretty exciting times for us Kiwis. I'm just mm. trying to find the website. So we've got six days to go. Today's Monday for us. So the countdown's really really on. We've uh, just done our last little training sessions over the weekend. We've had our pre-chat with uh, Jane Patterson last week, which we, we all thought was really interesting. Um, you know, we didn't really quite know what to expect. We thought she might just be the old conservative race director and not say too much. But but I thought it was a really uh, a really good interview and covered quite a few different. I think things. I thought she was great. I thought she gave us some insight that I you know I suppose I haven't had contact with people like that before, but. Uh, just some of the insight into how you get slots, and she was yeah. just really honest, and I really appreciate it. And from that, you know, uh, somebody listened to that show, and apparently it may well go onto one of the New Zealand web, uh, New Zealand newspapers' websites. They're looking at putting the, uh, yeah, the interview so up there, so we're getting out there. We're, we're loving it. Out there. We're spreading around the world. So it's a pretty strong pro men's field in the race. We've got uh, Bevan James Isles and uh, John Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. About. Let, let's move on. No more news. <laughs> well, what we thought we'd do, because I, I tend to analyse the field a bit when uh, when I'm racing, so I know who I'm who I'm up against. And uh, yeah, we're going to quickly go through the seedings, uh, the top ten seedings, so we can uh, so you guys know who to look out for on the day. The first guy uh, who's seeded number one is Arn Ala Johansson from Estonia. He was he won the race last year, which was the, obviously the shortened 90k bike and 21k run. Fantastic rider, terrible swimmer. Well, I think he's terrible. I, I think he's bad. I don't know if he's terrible. Yeah. Um, and a good runner, but I think he really surprised a lot of people last year that he ran with Cameron Brown shoulder to shoulder for 20 kilometres yeah. and Cameron pulled away in the last K. And no, I no, no, he pulled away in the last K. No, he won it last no, year. Yeah, you know, Cameron, but Cameron had a minute deficit. So, oh, okay, sorry. So they, they were running so, shoulder to shoulder. Oh, he started start. a minute yeah. behind. And, and I was up there watching, and he looked really impressive on the run. He just stuck on camera's shoulder. Because so, he's a big boy too, isn't he? Big unit. So yep. so he's won that Ironman Lanzarote a couple of times. Uh, so I don't think he's going to win, but um, he, well, he, he could is, be a threat. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely a threat. And number two seed? Well, we've got Cameron Brown, who's obviously you know one of the world's top Ironman, won Germany, won New Zealand five times before. And last year, he was going for a six, wasn't he? So... Uh, and in a way, if he wins it this year, in theory, he's still won six New Zealand Ironmen in a row. So, mm. uh, so it's a big challenge for him, and it's probably the hardest it's ever going to be for him to do it. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to be pretty exciting. At number three, we've got Tjorborn Sindabal, who set the bike course record in Hawaii the year before last. Um, and he's proved now that he can run. You know, He won the world long-distance champs in Australia um, against Craig Alexander. Uh, so we expect him, he's a reasonable swimmer as well, we expect him to just absolutely blitz the bike. Uh, and, and, you know, I think he'll probably be, he'll be aiming to have a 10-minute uh, gain on the bike, I think, uh, and try to have that. And if he could get 10 minutes on Cameron and Luke Bell, if he could, you know, he, he'll be aiming for a three-hour marathon, so Cameron and, and Luke will have to run well. Um, yep. so, so a definite threat, again... My money's on Cameron, but I think Tilbourne Sindabal is is a real threat. I like the situation where you get like Bell and Cameron, where you've got different race strategies, mm, you know, and you're trying to definitely. work them against each other. And in this situation, it really is the case, isn't it? And then you, uh, I think the big four are the key, aren't they? Luke Bell, yeah, uh, obviously one of the top pros in the world. Uh, in the movie we reviewed, yeah, uh, what it takes, yeah, yeah, a really good review on him. He's done really well in Hawaii in the last few years. Kind of an up and comer, maybe a few face to look for more yeah. in the future. Hasn't really won an Ironman yet, has he? Has he really successful last year? Yeah, that's the thing. We should have done a bit of research. I don't know if, he, know if he's won an Ironman. I don't think he has won an Ironman, but he, last year he was undefeated in half Ironman. I think he did yeah. six from six, so he's kicked butt at halves. Yeah. And he's had a second. I know he's definitely had a second in definitely. Ironman, but yeah. I'm not sure if he's won one yet. But 
you know, on his day, this could, you know, this could be his race. Yeah, the fifth seed, we've got Reno, Reno Rivera, Rivera from France. Um, really good athlete, just a really good all-rounder. I don't expect him to be in contention for winning, but he definitely um, pushes his way out to the podium. Finished uh, in the top three in a number of Ironmans around the world. Um, just a good all-round athlete. I don't actually know the rest, so you can just swing on. Uh, so then the sixth seed, we've got Shingo Tini. Oh, uh, Shingo Tini. Now, he can run. Uh, I, I checked the results. Does he come often? <clears throat> No, I think the last time he came was maybe 2001, and he went about 8.55, I think. Okay. So, again, not a threat for, for winning the thing, but, but a threat to be out there. Yep. An interesting one will be Kai Hundemark, who Jane Patterson talked about last week. He's an ex-pro cyclist with uh, Team Telecom. I think he's ridden the Tour de France and things like that. Wow. Um, uh, so he'll be an animal on the bike. I'm not sure what his swim and run is like, but Jane was saying he won his age group in Hawaii the first time up, and then he finished 15th in Hawaii. So finished 15th in Hawaii. Yeah, pretty decent. It's pretty decent, so so he could be another one to watch. Eighth seed, we've got Brent Lawrenson from uh, the States. He was out here two years ago, and he uh, I think he got about eighth then, seventh or eighth. So not going to be a, a contender for the race, but he's no, certainly going to be... Ninth seed? The ninth seed, he's some hoax from Christchurch. Johnson. <laughs> they spelled your bloody name wrong, didn't they? No, they got it right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they, uh, so I managed to get ninth seed. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'm twenty fifth seed. What's all that about? You know. And rounding out the uh, the top ten seed is Duncan Milne from New Zealand. I think they probably just needed some more New Zealanders. They, they could have put me in the top ten. But, hell. but he, the, the, he's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes. He got second at uh, the Tauranga half, um, yep. which is our main half Ironman, and he wasn't that far behind Cameron Brown. He had blitzed the bike. So what? When I look at this field. Um, there are some very strong bike bikers, and I'm expecting to get Kane on the bike, to be honest. Yeah. <clears throat> a few people that haven't seated here, Bevan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, uh, another one they haven't seated is uh, David Mead from Australia. He's finished. You want to drink a water, mate? You yeah, like dying on me. <laughs> He's dying on me next mm. to me. <laughs> Just keep doctor. laughing, keep laughing. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right, I'm back now. He's back. So David Mead, he's finished top 10 in Australia, so I think he's going to be a real contender. He's wow, uh, yeah. one of those guys who's sort of an 850 sort of guy, so he's going to be a challenger for Bevan and myself. Uh, who else have we got in there? There's somebody else I wanted to mention. Um, John Van Wisser, number 30 from Australia. Don't know why he didn't get seated. He's finished as high as, I think, fourth or fifth. Oh, really? So I'd expect him to be right up there. He's a good all-rounder. There's not many flakes in this field, unfortunately. Yeah, we, um, you know, normally we have a few flakes, so unfortunately, there's not. All these guys are pretty strong. Well, there's a, there's a pro field of, of roughly about 25, uh, 25 to thirty. Good all-round field. Bevan and I and Axel have got our work cut out here yep. to get in the top ten. Um, so on, that's a challenge, you know. It you is. You've got to be good on the day, and if you get, you know, who knows what happens. Uh, bring it. The girls' side of things. You can do well, it's pretty good. obvious. Joe Lawn's obviously number one seated, and. Uh, unless she has a terrible day, she pretty much should take it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we've really just got a trio of Americans that are going to be challenging her. We've got um, Hilary Biscay, Heather Golnick, and Kim Lofter. Yeah. All got different strengths, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Heather Golnick has had a number of podium places. Um, and Iron Man's so is Hilary Biscay. She's just a good all rounder. And Kim Lofter apparently is a very very good runner. So. I don't think they're going to be too much of a challenge for Joe Lorne. Um, yeah. But, you know, if she is off her game, those are the three they're going to be challenging. And uh, Gina Ferguson, a local girl? She's one to watch for, for, for a good performance. Very good Olympic distance, very good runner, fantastic swimmer. She's going to be right up there. She'll be, uh, when we raced our half Ironman in, um, in Ashburton, she came out of the swim with me. 
she's not bad. Uh, just going to depend on how well she paces herself. Um, so, so that really wraps up the girls' field. There's, there's, yeah, it's there's, not, a big field, there's is not a big field. Um, there's a few other girls racing. There's Celia Kirch, who we mentioned last age week. Age group of the week last age week. Age group of the week. That's right. She's stepped up. Stepping up and now racing nice. pro. Very good. So it's uh, going to be interesting. Um, on the guys' side of things, the way I see the race unfolding is uh, we'll have Cinderbell racing off the front, um, and then we'll have uh, Johansson coming through from behind in the swim and pushing his way to the front, and then we'll have Luke Bell and Cameron probably riding side by side. And I thought that you know Cameron was going to be in a lot of trouble because I th- I didn't see Luke Bell's name initially on the start list, um, but because he's there, I think Cameron's going to win because he's going to have an ally there to help him through the bike. Normally he's got Kieran Doe or Stephen Sheldrake yeah. and people like that to help him through the bike. Uh, if he was going to be riding solo, you know, mano a mano against those two real animal bikers, uh, yeah. I think it would have been a bit different. So that's uh, going to be going to be really interesting to watch. So so do get onto Ironman.com and um, and watch watch the coverage unfold. Watch the coverage unfold. And so the course in Ironman New Zealand, it's a pretty good swim, nice lake swim. Yeah, um, you're back. The problem we've got and why why the times are a little bit slower in New Zealand is we've got a five minute second transition, you know, yeah. a long run from uh, from from the swim to bike. So that kind of sucks because otherwise it would all be five minutes quicker. Yeah, definitely. The bike. Uh, the bike is very kind of it's it's not really it's kind of undulating a little bit towards the start and then you have long flats and it's a pretty decent bike it's not too hard the main thing that really slows us in New Zealand is the big chip on the road so it's a massive chip and and that probably knocks a good kilometre an hour to one and a half kilometres an hour off your speed so it's 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 not it's not fast and the runs are um, out and back times two and it's slightly up and down at times which you have to kind of keep focused on your technique when you're doing that and a uh, decent run, nice run through the city, come through the river and uh, the lake. Yeah, I don't know, it's a pretty good course. It's, it's a good course, good, yeah. good all-round course, nothing too challenging, but, uh, but, but a nice fair course. So uh, big news for us is that you've got to come along and meet us. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the boys are going to be at Blue 70 on Thursday and Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. Okay, so come along, we're going to have a draw for some coffees of Hawaii t-shirts. Yep, you've got to come up and say you listen to the show and you can go in the draw. We're going to have a few t-shirts uh, to send out to you guys. And we'll sign them for you. And well, we've got, we won't, but... we've got epic, epic Camp posters as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, pretty cool posters, something to put up in your garage to keep your... <laughs> Keep things looking beautiful when you're doing your winter training sessions during winter. There you go. You're motivated by us. Mm. There you go. So anyway, so that's, uh, that's pretty much our New Zealand coverage. Big news otherwise this week was that we made it into our local paper, into the press. And not just that, it was a full page feature. I know, we were like the big thing in the sports page. That was amazing. Oh yeah, if you guys want to go online, you go to ironmantalk.com and there's a photo of this guy called Axel who trains with us a lot, and John and I, and uh, that's a link to the article which is also on a website called Stuff, and uh, they just basically did a write-up on us, mm. our race strategies, and that was, that was a good little piece, eh? Bevan's saying he's going to beat his coach. <laughs> she, she goes to me and she asks, she goes, John says he's going to beat you. So what do you say? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good little article. Actually, a lot of people saw that. It was nice. So, um, other news this week. Flicker had a pretty good marathon in AT&T. I think it was the Austin Marathon. Yeah. She had a ran, 240. Ran a 240. I think she got second place, didn't she? Yeah, and that qualifies her for the US Marathon Trials. Mm. Which is well off the, would be like 10 minutes behind the top one, wouldn't it? Oh, 10, 15. at least. I mean, um, yeah, I don't think she'd be within uh, Kui of. Oh, maybe she was, but I mean, when you think about Paula Radcliffe, she runs a. Sub 220, I think the record's maybe about 217, 219. Oh, that's so. awesome, mate. Those marathon runners are amazing, eh? Oh, pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's impressive. Strong. But still pretty impressive because a lot of Iron Men. You know, when they try to step up to a marathon, don't actually do that well, or they're kind of not that much faster. And yeah. for her to actually pull off this kind of speed, 
Yeah. So. She gets a bit of flack. I mean, um, it was a really impressive race she did in Hawaii last year. Um, and she's, you know, I think a lot of people think she was just a bit of a doll sort of girl and, yeah. and sort of a cover girl. And she's really stood up and... and uh, it was a great race, you know. She got second. There's a picture there on X-Try of her running past Natasha Badman. And, um, yeah, fantastic race last year. Nice. Also, just while I was out kind of surfing the net, I found Joe Lawn's blog. Now, if you go to www.ironmantalk.com, she's um, pretty much doing a daily update of what she's been up to while she's up in Taupo. She's already there, and she's basically just getting some daily updates on there. So if you want to read what she's up to, um, go to her website, and there'll be a link to it, to her blog. Um, I'm going to really try hard to get her on the show, so hopefully okay. we can get her on the show over we'll the next few days. Um, so anyway, topic of the week. Thank you for people. A few people went back on there um, and yeah. put up their special needs bags. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good one. And then we had a good performance this week. Oh, it's been sensational. Some people have written some books. Mm. So much so that we need to pause. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I must say we have some very intelligent listeners, don't we? We do. Oh, yeah, our listeners are just amazing. Yeah. So anyway, so the discussion for this week was. What ways can race organisers and the WTC in general encourage getting more spectators at races? And we've got some really good replies. you want to start off? Yeah. Uh, first one was from uh, Brad. He said live bands, events for kids, prize giveaways, um, seminars, training and, and things like that. So just creating a bit, bit of a fe- festival sort of atmosphere and uh, and just keeping it fun. And, I, know, I like that because you know how they have that um, Noosa Tri? Yeah. And it's a big event and they have a lot of triathlons on the day and it's a yeah. big kind of festival feeling. And At Ironman New Zealand when it was up in Auckland they used to have a kids tri- triathlon because the bike ride up there was a, an out and back. It was yeah. one out and back so they had basically... You'd never you know, see anyone. You'd yeah. never see anybody. So they had a kids tri while everybody was out on the bike which was, was fantastic and it guarantees you know a lot of people to be down there at the race. Yeah, no, Shawnee B has uh, said basically getting some exposure on TV is really, really good. Um, the more exposure the sports gets the more people will kind of come along and, and watch so yeah, definitely yeah. it's really good um, and we had Scott uh, selecting a bike course that uses famous roads and having some famous climbs that's one of the things they have uh, like at, at Rote they uh, we've got we got we've got to pronounce Rote correctly we, we yeah, say Rote yeah. something like it. Rote Rote uh, so he said just yeah, having some, some famous climbs, and that's a key thing on those races where they get hundreds of thousands of people on the big climbs, you know, Alpe d'Huez and, and stuff when they do the Tour de France, is making some real key points on the race to, and where people can, again, have a bit of a party atmosphere. Oh, Jamie is saying how the human interest story. No, no, John's actually not a big fan of the human interest story. You, you want to see the athlete's results, but I think for the general public, he's got a point. How good has the Hoyts been for the sport? He also says Blazeman, who I don't know. No, no, I don't actually know the Blazeman story to be honest. But and he also mentions how in the Olympics in '96, uh, they were the biggest ever Olympics ratings because they had a lot of sentimental profiles on the athletes and okay. that drew a lot more attention to the athletes. So um, the more human interest story, the more you appeal to the the non-athletes. And yeah. you know, John's like a hardcore athlete, so he wants to know what the athletes are doing. So yeah. he is also a fan of seeing uh, coconut bras and prom dresses. But I'm not <laughs> going to go there because yeah. And then uh, Fegan said at Switzerland they've got a double-decker bus that takes people uh, back and forth to Heartbreak Hill. Um, so that's a, it's a good idea, and I think that's one of the things access to the course is. is a yeah, that's a great that's idea, coming, isn't it? Yeah, that's. Because that's the thing with the cycle, you know, you could take off and it's like... Yeah. yeah, and it's difficult. You don't want people driving out on the course so they have all road closures and things like that. So um, improving access and helping the spectators get around the course is, is, a, is a fantastic idea. Um, who's this? This is Jamie Picker who picked on us last week. But it's okay, <laughs> Jamie. We're not, we, we don't hold grudges. Hey, um, so he's basically saying that... 
some of the big sports like the tour rides and some of the big riding classics through Europe have the real history and our sport doesn't hasn't really established the history in a lot of areas yet and he's saying one way we can do that is that use the stars to actually when they get to the place to really get out there and promote the sport like yet yeah, you know, he's using us, us and Rhodesy to go out and talk to young students at the schools mm. and all that kind of stuff getting you know more sponsors into it and making it so that there's a history behind it and once you get those kind of histories happening then more people want to come along and watch and yeah. like Rhodesy if you're in road, is that how you say it? Yeah, road. Yeah, road. Road. When, when you're in road, you know, there's obviously a history, so it becomes an annual event where everyone kind of knows that that's what you're going to do on that day. Um, yeah, so, and he's also saying multi lap courses. The only problem with multi lap courses to me is the drafting factor. And you also, it's really hard to see where people are. I think. Oh, I, true, I, yeah. And tell where people are. So, I, I personally, the, the format I like is a two lap bike and a two lap run. Yep. You start getting more than that, you just get confused where people are. Yep. Um, and it's and that's for, for experienced you know, spectators like us who kind of know the people. Yeah. Know, where are they? Um, Especially when it gets lots of people coming at one time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one of the things, um, I don't know if it's mentioned here, but they do it Taupo and they probably do it a number of races is when they hand out a program to everybody in the crowd you know all the way along the course yep. and then what people are doing yeah, that's great you're running along and people are going go john go bevan and yep. you're going well, i don't know all these people um and, and they're just looking up your number in the uh in the program so i, th- I find that really good it's nice as an athlete too yeah, yeah definitely yeah. um g sport I wonder if that's... No, it's not Gordo. <laughs> he's, he's not allowed to spend any time on forums anymore. Yeah. Um, he's got access to spectators again um, and, and things for kids to do, uh, which is important. You know, a lot of people do their families, so I think having a yep. big festival area where they've maybe got some kids' rides and things like that yep. so they keep them occupied during the day, uh, great idea. I think this... Uh, Ian's brain made it brought up the same point. He's saying how... You basically want to have as much of an event kind of feel around it. So you've got the bouncy castle for kids, lots of food areas and creches areas to look after some kids so the family can actually go and watch them in the race and those type of things as well. And I do think that's key. He's also got a point that... Uh, maybe not even DQing someone if they accept outside assistance from spectators. Right. <laughs> Which yeah. is an interesting concept. So he's saying that, you know, basically for people who are a little bit slower, what does it matter if you get a drink from someone who's, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, and he's saying, you know, sure, maybe for the pros or you're going to be faster than 12 hours, you can't accept it, but if you're going to be a little bit slower than that, and that way the spectators get involved, which, yeah, yeah that's an interesting point. Yeah. And then uh, finally we had TC, and... Uh, he's gone all out. He's gone all out. All out. He says they should, uh, in vain of fighting talk, he thinks he can make the events more interesting by putting a cage of tiger sharks being released behind the pros. <laughs> <laughs> so that would make it really interesting. Yeah, maybe we I can tell you try, what, I would swim faster then. Trial that somewhere outside of Taupo, maybe. Yeah. But I think the overall theme is, is really to create a festival-type atmosphere, have plenty of things for people to do. It is a long day. Um, and what I'd li- if, if I was spectating at a race, what I'd really like to see is, is that festival thing to keep you occupied yeah. and then a big screen and really regular updates from the course and yeah. some, some live coverage. So if they could replicate what they do on Ironman Live uh, at the actual venue and yeah. have really good updates. The big uh, screen's a really fantastic. good point, actually, because I went to Australia and watched the Commonwealth Games earlier in the year, or last year, actually, now, and I uh, went and watched the Women's Road Race, and I was right at the start-finish line, but, you know, they come, they go, and uh, they hit the big screen, and so the whole time you could yeah. watch what was happening, and so you were still involved with the race, although it was a long race and they were away a long time, you still were there and you wanted to stay around, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really good point. So anyway, thanks for those, uh, that feedback there, guys. So this week's question is a sensational question. Yeah, I kind of tried to bring it in a few weeks ago. Bevan kind of spun it around a bit yep. when we did the whole Nina Craft thing. Yep. Um, but the question really is, and it's going to relate to a article that we're going to talk about later on. So, yep. so read this article before you go and answer this question.
this question, but it really is, if you're in a situation where you could take drugs and they wouldn't get detected and you could be the best in the world, would you take them? Honestly, would you? If you're in a situation where you could be the best in the world, I think yeah. it's, you know, like, to really look you're, at that situation. You've got to visualise yourself. Say you were a, a top ten person in Hawaii and you maybe finished somewhere between fifth and tenth. Yeah. Nina Craft is a perfect example. And if you knew, if you took drugs and it wasn't going to get detected, you've got, you'd have a very, very good chance of being at the, winning the Hawaii yeah. Ironman. So see give us your whys as well. I want to, I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justify your reasons. Yeah. Think about the financial reward, the prestige, um, yeah. everything associated with that. But the key thing is, you wouldn't get caught. Yeah. Yep. It'd be only you that knows. Only you and the person you buy off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're making the drugs yourself, which would be impressive. <laughs> anyway, that's our news for. Oh, big news session this week. That's our news for the week. Website of the week. Sensational. One of your buddies this week. Good old Slam I Am it is actually, Duncan White. Slam I Am. Sent through a link to some good old fashioned bike porn. Mm. And us being the clowns that we are, we love bike porn, don't we? We do. And uh, so he sent us through a link to, they had the Tour of California on. Solana. Oh, it may have finished, it's probably finished at the weekend. Yeah, actually. I think it did finish. And uh, they just basically, someone's on a, their blog has gone through, it's actually on Wired News. Now, Wired is a technology kind of website, so it's interesting they've got it on there. But someone's blog has got a few photos of some of the pros' bikes and components of their bikes uh, from the race. And... Uh, there's some nice bikes on there. Pictures there. Like that military style one. What sort of bike is that? Can't even read it. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so if you want to go have a look at a bit of bike porn, got a few of the pros on their bikes, the old time trial bike there. My life primer. Oh, I'd like to have a bike like that, eh? It would be quite cool. Yeah. Any bike sponsors out there? No, I've got a bike sponsor. I just need a, some of those funky, funky ass disc wheels. Oh, is it? It's got a bounce every day, and someone had the Scott plasma thing and it's like a $15,000 bike and it's just beautiful and you lift it up and it's just a feather yeah. you know and, and it's just ridiculous and it's just such a nice bike so if anyone wants to give me a $15,000 bike I'll talk about it on the show you know bring it on so, so anyway so if you want to check out some bike porn go to www.ironmantalk.com and look at our website of the week and uh, you can get all your bike porn needs fulfilled that's our website of the week okay. one two three four high five now We've got a really wicked thing happen, actually. We've got a listener sending through a high five for the week, which is sensational. I'm just going to get up his name right now. I think it was Tom. Come on, come on, website. Come on, website. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, website. Come on, Google Mail. <laughs> Google Mail. Okay, anyway. And so what he decided yeah, uh, what he decided to do, Tom Clements. There we go. He's obviously been to New Zealand. He's from the UK, and he's going to be doing a half in September, a UK and maybe the UK half in September. And he was just basically saying... It's a good idea to maybe do some tourist thing that your family can do when they come over to Taupo. Very good. So I mentioned a few of your family are coming up to watch Taupo, and uh, these are some of the things they can do while they're up in Taupo, and you can start. The Tongariro Crossing, a one-day walk which takes you through stunning scenery. They actually have a multi-sport race up there called the Tongariro Classic. Nice. So it's a one-day walk, so it yeah. takes you from stunning scenery. So you probably don't want to do that on Saturday, though. No. No. But any, any other day other than Saturday? Nice. Maybe on Sunday when you're lying around. Take you for the walk dead. on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> come on, honey. Put, come on, we've been. <laughs> come on. <laughs> put you in the pram. <laughs> um, tandem skydiving. Have you ever tandem skydived? No, I never skydived. Oh, you're going to do, you do it? Yeah, I'll do it one day. I did yeah. it about three months ago. Oh, yeah. it's sensational. 12,000 feet, and uh, it's the most extreme feeling you can ever have. So you have that in Taupo, and Kieran 
who came and stayed with me oh, yeah. when, he, when he went out to Tapu. He actually did it himself and uh, he's got his photos. I've actually got his photos and he loved it. So there we go. Number three is whitewater rafting. Uh, there's a number of world-class rapids around, uh, around the Tapu area offering cold, wet fun for all levels. Walk around the craters of the moon. Done that. Is that cool? It's uh, down sort of towards Rotorua. Nice. So Rotorua is a pretty interesting area, actually. It's about 80 kilometres from Tapo. It's a very sort of thermal area. They've got hot pools and things like that, craters of the moon and geysers and steaming mud pools and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So pretty cool. Is it cool there? Yeah, I'm going there on Monday. We've cool. got, we've got, we're flying out of Rotorua, so we're going to have the day in Rotorua. Nice. And lastly, good old-fashioned bungee jump. Bungee jump. Where, where do they do that up there? I don't know. I don't know they've got a bungee jump somewhere up there. Have you ever heard of bungee jump? Yep. But if you're gonna, if what you're, was that like? It's good. But it, it, Did I you hurt yourself? Uh, no, I found it really sore on my calves, actually. Like, I'd, you dive down, don't wicked do sensation. <laughs> but yeah, but when I was uh, hit the bottom and bouncing up and down, I've really found it pulling heavily on my calves. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah, it's tough <laughs> at the top. Uh, but my wife wouldn't, uh, it doesn't approve of it because you've got the risk of uh, retinal detachments is quite high. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Really? That's probably the one main risk. So close your eyes as you're going down. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I don't know, I don't know how you could uh, avoid that, but... Really? Yeah, the bungee jumping up. Was it scary the three seconds beforehand? Nah, it was good. Was it? Yeah, no, it was, it was all good. It was, it's, it's quite fun actually going and watching people bungee jump because you get some people seriously freaking out yeah, yeah. and just coming off the ledge and not doing it. I was watching Del Campo's one yesterday, but oh, there you go. <laughs> and um, if, you, if, if you are coming to New Zealand, I'd save that bungee jumping for Queenstown. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it's like up in Taupo, but Queenstown has the best, biggest bridges to jump off, and that's where it all originated, so you get to see the history inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember on our ride to Queenstown when I was waiting for Bevan at the bungee jump centre I said oh, I'm just going up the road yeah Bevan just up the road me. leaves me <laughs> <laughs> leaves me on the side of the road you know, running with my bike <laughs> oh, oh, good times good, good times great days anyway that's our high five for this week there we go we should get some money from the tourism board yeah <laughs> Welcome to Product Review Centre. Today's date is the 26th of March, and today we will be reviewing the stretching handbook. Oh, mate, you, you, you should be on the news. It's so good. So, oh. um, last... Stop uh, coaching. Okay. Stop it. Let's try to give me some subtle hints there. Stop coaching. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, I was trying to just get some information to send somebody on PNF stretching. And we actually got a few questions about stretching from a few listeners as well. So, so I just, um, rather than going and taking a whole bunch of photos myself, I thought I'll take an easy <coughs> option, just do a quick search on the net. And um, I, I came up with a really good website and uh, had a quick look on there and it basically had a resource that I ended up uh, getting oh, them yeah. sent to me, which is called the Stretching Handbook. It's produced by a guy called Brad Walker in Australia. Um, and Australia. Australia. Slapping on a shrimp on a barbie. Australia, mate. Um, and it's, it's a really good little book. Uh, he's got a number of other resources. He's got a DVD on there. He's got like a poster and a few sort of um, stretching aids, you know, bands and things like that. But I really liked it and I'm actually going to be selling it myself um, because, and sending it to athletes when they sign up for me because it's got basically gives you a bit of an overview on stretching, the physiology of it, um, why you should be doing it, how long you should stretch for, the different types of stretching, benefits, benefits rules, why it's an injury preventer and so on. But, uh, and that Which is really important because I think when a lot of people exercise, as because my job is kind of teaching exercises, that if you can help people to understand why they're doing it yeah. and, and you know the, the reasons, the why, so you're so much more motivated to do it, first of all, and have a better understanding of how they're meant to do it. Exactly. So the why's, yeah, so it's really good he's gone into that detail. So it's about a 90-page little guide, I think, 90, yeah. 95 pages to be precise. To be yeah. precise. 
Um, and the first sort of 40 pages are sort of background stuff and, and, and what you should be doing. But then it's basically got 50 pages of different stretches. And it is all divided up into your different muscle groups. Um, and what's interesting with this guide here actually is the people that are in the pictures are actually triathletes. So the guy's obviously got a pretty close association with triathletes. One of them is uh, Mark Lees, who is a former top short course athlete. And I have a feeling he actually works for um, uh, Ironman Corporation now. Okay. And the girl in there is Iona Winter. Oh, uh, some money. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Great stuff. You could be a newsreader, I could be a comedian. <laughs> you could be the sidekick. Um, but she is actually a triathlete who used to race for Jamaica. Ooh, I think she was trying Jamaica? to make it. <laughs> that is a shocker. So uh, she didn't make it to the Olympics, which I think was her goal. But then it basically divides it into all the different areas. So your neck, shoulders, arms, chest, stomach, hips, nice. sides, quadriceps, buttocks, hamstrings, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I thought it was really good. It's got pictures in there and a little description of what you should be doing. Um, so I thought it was a fantastic resource. Hey, so John, where do you go to get this book? You go to <laughs> ironmantalk.com. We've put it on our webpage this week. So there's a link on our webpage. Um, and we actually, if you do buy it, we do get a commission. We'll tell you that. But... Um, it's on www.ironmantalk.com it's really obvious it's on their front page if you want to go have a click and have a look at the website that then takes you through to their website and you can have a look at it and it's got a few examples and stuff on the website of what you get in the guide but I, I'm not just bullshitting this because uh, yeah. we get a commission it is well, actually, I'm sure the commission is nothing they never yeah. anything, but. but it is actually a really good guide and that's why I sort of contacted the guy because uh, I sort of struggled to find some good resources and it's quite well, I think the nice thing about it is it's got a lot of upper body stretches mm. like you often find is you find books that are really good at the lower body and, you know, all the, you know, when it's kind of obvious, but then to get some kind of obscure upper body ones that are good for the shoulders and chest and upper back, it's uh, yeah, really good. So that's so, uh, that is our product review well, centre, and, uh, the news and reading, yeah. we'll be closing now. The time is seven fifty-two on Monday, the twenty-sixth of February. Beautiful. Coach's Corner. So, this week in Coach's Corner, what are our topics? Uh, we have two topics we're going to talk about. Two topics in Coach's well, actually, Corner no, the this week. the first one was the product review. Yeah, wasn't so it wasn't. So that was, uh, that was the first one. And so the we've got a question from Ewan. Ewan Gordon, or Gordon Ewan? Ewan Gordon. Yep. And uh, he's saying, good luck to Ironman New Zealand. Bring it on. His question was, I'd like to ask both of you a question. Maybe you could have a go at it in your podcast. Nice. When you've done all the training, etc., and you have everything ready for the event, how do you prepare mentally for events such for such a long distance slash time? I've done a few cycling races, stage races in the past, and wonder because you are really doing a long day against a watch, what do you focus on? Any tips would be much appreciated. Once again, good luck, yours in support, you and Gordon. Thanks, Ewan, for your support. Yes, thank you, Ewan. Uh, so, I've written a few notes down here because I'm well prepared. I'm winging it, but I'll, um, I'll deliver. So just a few little things. Uh, the main things for me in race week is really trying to stay relaxed. And uh, so for this week, for example, for Taupo, I'm not going up there very early. I know the course and I think I've got everything under control. So I'm just going up a couple of days before. Whereas Bevan's stressing out and he's going to go up a whole No, see, I'm, 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 a different, I'm actually a different approach. I actually, getting there early is the way for me to relax. Yeah. Just getting away from her. So like, yeah. for example, I've just been so busy in this last week. It's probably been the busiest week I've had in a year. And I was, I was basically working up until... Late last night, and it's just I'm just want to get away from Christchurch, so yeah. I know there's no distractions. I'm going to be in Taupo. I've got my sister with me to support me. She's going to cook for me and everything. So it's just like I'm going to go up there, sleep in, read a few books, just relax a little bit, do a bit of training, and uh, for me that's actually a better way to do it. Yep, cool. Mm. 
And uh, so my key is to, is to stay relaxed in that race week, and for me to have plenty of things to do. Uh, I'm not going to be working my gonads off or anything. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I do try to line up a number of things, like Bevan said, books to read or work to do, or just yeah. to keep yourself occupied so you don't stress yourself out. And, and just for me going away as well, sometimes at home if I've got around the computer, I know I want to do some work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so that's why not having the computer is probably, although I'm taking it with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Um, one of the other things I try to do in race week is avoid people that really piss me off. Um, so I stay away from people that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, um, I just just try to avoid people that I know um, can, can sometimes annoy me and, and just get on my nerves. So. Yeah, I like everyone, don't they? Probably. Yeah, so that's another thing I do. Um, do a lot of visualisation on the race, uh, which is important. I don't visualise having an unrealistic race, you know. I don't visualise winning or going 8.20 or anything like that. Yeah. I visualise a really good, solid race that I'm hoping to, to, to execute. One thing I do with visualisation, I do a lot of visualisation, and I use a lot of NLP. Do you know what, much about NLP? Okay, uh, so NLP is kind of uh, neuro-linguistic programming. It's kind of ways to visualise and communicate to yourself in good ways. And uh, I do a lot of visualising the after, the, you know, like telling the stories to people and, you know, all yep. the things, the effects of the successful race, and I use a lot of that just to... So I'm kind of setting up my mind to be prepared for success, and uh, yeah, I find that works for me. Definitely. Mm. Um, probably the key thing for me, and this is before the race and actually during the race, the main mental thing that I'm focusing on is uh, breaking the race down into pieces. Uh, so, you know, the swim, uh, the first sort of key is just to get off the line and maybe get through the first few hundred metres and then visualising getting to that first boy. Uh, coming out of the swim, just breaking it down into small pieces. First thing is to really focus on the transition. Next thing is to focus to a point fairly early in the bike and then just breaking it down piece by piece. Uh, never really thinking at all about the end of the bike. When I start the bike, I wouldn't have, you know, have no thoughts towards the end of the bike. It's just really breaking it down piece by piece. And the same thing on the run and just focusing on what you're doing at the time and getting to my next sort of checkpoint. Um, so that's the main mental imagery that I'm going through sort of before the race is getting all those sort of points mapped out in my mind yeah. and then actually trying to execute it on the day. And really important with that is knowing the course. So if you haven't ever done the course, make sure you actually drive it mm. um, and, and kind of take your time driving it. You don't have to rush it because you really want to get an understanding of of the course and uh, I remember years ago I did the coast to coast teams coast to coast and we went and ran it beforehand yeah. and I went with this guy who's a real gumboot now the run probably should have taken four hours it took us nine hours <laughs> we ended up walking the whole thing and, and it, it was probably one of the most painful days of my life and I was so angry at this person but um, <laughs> but come race day it was great because yeah. it, A it seemed so much faster and B I just knew the course so well yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and and I think you know for John and I we've done New Zealand a few times now so we know the yeah. course and it's a bit different but if you haven't done and of course know it and know your key points know where it's going to get a little bit tough and so I know that you know like coming home in New Zealand that you're uphill a little bit it's a little bit tougher so mentally I'm prepared to attack that well not attack it but be in the right place to challenge that moment so mm. yeah um, and the other thing just if you do go and drive the course um, I always find that courses look a lot harder when you drive them versus when you're actually doing them so yep. just, just bear that in mind if you're driving along you think man this is hilly this is going to be really tough it's generally a lot tougher in the car than what it is when you're actually out there yeah well, it's not tougher, but it's yeah, seems tough. <laughs> the day before the race, I tend to stay away from the race venue. Um, all I'll really be doing is just going down and racking the bike and checking the transition bags in. Yep. And just try, obviously, this year I'll be at the Blue 70 tent uh, between 2 and 3 p.m. Yep. But normally I try to stay away from um, the hype and uh, <coughs> just, just do my own thing. Yeah. What do you do the day before the race? Day before the race, I tend to just cruise, yeah, just cruise. Mm. 
you're kind of that's when it starts to come on board. The nervousness starts to hit in, the doubt, and all the all those things that kind of the personal kind of challenge that you have to confront. Kind of up until then, I don't really. I'm not someone who stresses a lot. You know, I think now it's starting to come out. I think occasionally now I get those moments where it's all oh, the what ifs and all that starts to come through. But the day before the race is really, really confronted with it. So I just try to find a place where I'm nice and relaxed and calm and, and just do my last checks and things like that. And then uh, on the actual day, I basically block everybody out. Um, and that includes Belinda. <laughs> she, I, get, I basically. Obviously, down the finishing shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, you don't want to talk to me on race morning. I won't really have much to say. Yeah. Um, and just very much in my own little world and mentally. Just trying to, just staying relaxed. I'm not really firing myself up, but mentally just trying to stay calm. Um, just visualising a good race and just thinking through the things that I've got to do before I get to the start of the race. Going through my checklists and things like that, and uh, just don't waste energy on anybody else. I really just get in my zone. And, uh, and so, if you see John on race morning, say hi. How you going? Where's the show going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably go away from that going. That John's a real wanker. Yeah, he's he a tossy John. And I, so I'm the opposite. I'm quite social, so. I think when I go down, in the morning when I first wake up, I like to be a little bit calm and I like to go down and check my bike and set everything up and that's kind of my calm place. And then once I kind of get around people, I'm a very social animal. And uh, I tend to... You're an animal! <laughs> the guy's an animal! And uh, I find myself, I, I actually like to, the company of people and so I find I like to be around people and just by just having people around, it just maybe takes away my nervousness or makes me not think right. about yeah. it and... And so I think one thing you, we all need to think of is think of times when we've performed well and what that we, what was it that we did before that time that actually made us you know made us in a good place and if over time we can figure that out we have a better chance of you know so John's obviously figured out that being away from everything being calm and just focusing on his races is his way to be successful whereas for me I'm totally opposite but it's my way to be successful and I, I really believe that's the key hmm, exactly. Um, what else do we think about before races? Uh, I'd just double check. I've always forgotten something, so I'll have a little bit of stress that's with why, that. That's why you have checklists, Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to use Dave Ramsey's. Oh, Dave Ram- not Dave Ramsey, Dave Remy's. Yep. Good, yeah. Um, and that's about it. I mean, the main thing for me is really just trying to stay calm. And, and I, I think it's really important, especially if it's your first Ironman, is in the week before and the days before, not letting the um, the gear freak you out and the bodies and things like that. Yep. Very, very easy to do. You've done your work. And that's what's nice about this time is that I've, this race I've... I feel totally done everything. I've only missed two sessions out of slackness and our two kind of minor swims. I've done everything I need to do, so I know I've done the work. You know, so don't stress about that yeah. whole oh, have I done enough? And it's yeah, it's too late in now. The last two weeks, um, just don't worry about that. But when you get there, don't worry about all the gear you see. Some people are just throw loads of money at the sport. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they've done the training. You just yeah. got to focus on what you've done, have confidence in what you've done, and uh, and just stick to your plan. And that's that's a key thing. Well, one thing I do do day a few days before the race is I tend to buy myself a new outfit. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I just buy some new gear. I just, yeah. you know, like I like the idea of kind of spending a bit of money on yourself. It's a bit of a treat. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, if you've got sponsored products, you may want to get the, done earlier. But I just like to go down and shop and you know buy a real nice top that I might train in or something like in Hawaii. I buy a whole new outfit and just something just so you kind of feel like it's a special occasion. It's kind of mm-hmm. like getting new shoes for Christmas. You know, when you get your new shoes. It's not like you to be spending money, Bevan. Well, I know. Well, apparently, Michael Jordan, when he played basketball, got a new pair of shoes for every game. Yeah, I that. yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same thing I like to do. I just like to do something that's kind of like a little bit special uh, for a special day. Yeah, uh, and that's about it, really. I mean, the physical side of things is you're going through the race. Um, uh, you know, like I said, just breaking it down and really just focusing on, you know, heart rate, power, and perceived effort, and uh, and just staying in your zone and not letting anybody else dictate things to you. Yeah, um, and that's sort of a key. I think one thing um, you was bringing up was the boredom, and the thing is, in an Ironman race, you're just not bored. I don't think so. No, well, no, you're not. Because the thing is, it's not like you're doing a six-hour ride 
by yourself. Yeah. And even though you're not talking to people like you would when you're doing your group rides, it's, it's just something about being in a race that keeps yeah. your mind occupied. And if, you, if, if you're starting the ride thinking, right, I've got to ride 180Ks, and you're just thinking about the finish line, I think that mentally just blow you out the door. Yeah. Um, so just break it down and, uh, and enjoy the people around you. If, you. if you're just out there to, to finish the race, you know, you don't need to stay 100% focused when you're actually racing yeah. for, you know, 15 hours or whatever. Um, do allow yourself a few little mental breaks to say good day to your supporters if they're out there on the course. Um, and absorb the experience. Yeah, absorb the crowd. Ha- have fun when you're, you're coming off the bike and you're running out and there's thousands of people there. Um, get your focus you know, once you're, you're out on the course a bit further. But, um, you know, enjoy the atmosphere that's, that's a big part well, of it well when we were talking to Cameron Brown he was saying he still kind of enjoys the crowd and stuff and, and, and when you watch it like if you see Cameron Brown race he looks 100% focused but he's still saying yeah, no, oh, times where, you know like, no one can stay focused for 15 hours exactly well and, uh, maybe they can maybe they can and that's about all I had really so hopefully that's given you a little bit of help help there um, you in? yeah yeah just basically you find your way and uh, yeah and the thing is if I mean don't panic mm. yeah okay yeah so Questions and answers. This old Daniel from Australia is back again. Yeah. And what's he saying? <laughs> Being flexible. And if this was a question related to stretching, it was kind of on cue, Daniel. He was asking about flexibility. So my suggestion to you be go on Ironman Talk and get yourself a copy of the stretching handbook and all your questions will be answered. Mate, it will change your life. Yeah. Life changing. Um, I am a really big believer in flexibility and... Uh, and I really think that you can never do too much yoga, and I think it's a, it's a definite way to... What, like 24-7? 24-7, mate. Would that be too much? Yep. Bending over, touching your... Uh, yeah, no. What about eating? Eating. <laughs> you can do a little bit too much eating. Right, let's carry on. Sorry. Uh, this was a big Phrase. Fun. Yep. Phrase. So this was fascinating. This is sensational. So last week I was talking about how DeCampo and I, Brandon and I, when we were on Epic Camp, we were talking about the effects of doing drugs, and you know, Brandon was saying that he'd like to openly... Maybe one day do because he's a good athlete of that nine-hour kind of level. Um, openly do some drugs and go through an experience and see what the performance would be. And uh, Fraze sent us through a link to. Uh, I do- it was interesting that this was actually posted on the IAAF, which is International Athlete- Amateur Athletics Federation. Well, wow. um, to, to so basically a guy who was paid by I think it was Outdoor Magazine. Uh, yep, outdoor, outdoor Magazine. Outdoor had, they basically su- supported him through trialing drugs mm-hmm. as an athlete. Now he was an extreme cyclist, like one of those guys who does does the tour across America and yeah. those you know just stupid amount of cycling and uh, he was a little bit older the guy was in his late 40s yeah. and uh, so he wasn't an elite elite athlete but he was a pretty decent athlete I think reading between the lines I think he'd be a pretty hardcore sort of guy yeah yeah um now the the read it's, it's quite a long read it took me about 20 to 30 minutes it was quite it was a pretty yeah. decent read but it was a fascinating read wasn't it mm. basically goes through um what he was going to do, what yep. drugs he took, the effects of the different drugs that he felt, um, what the, the what the effect was supposed to be, and he had a, this was all administered under a doctor, yep. um, and he was telling him what was supposed to happen. So he took uh, he took uh, human growth hormone, he took EPO, he took steroids, he took pretty yeah. much every sort of concoction that you could imagine, um, and that what professional athletes you know could could take. Um, so without going on about it too much, you've really got to go on and read, that, read this article. It's, it's one of the best I've seen, yeah. and uh, it gives you really good insight into what sort of benefits you can get from drugs. And uh, and probably one of the big things to me is like when he he actually went on to some bodybuilding websites. He did a bit of bodybuilding at one stage, 
and he was posting up there what he was actually taking. Yeah. And the bodybuilders were That's coming back going, you're a pussy, mate. Yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you take a real man's dosage? You yeah. Go, you know, if you get, we wouldn't die looking good. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. couldn't believe it. Some of the other things I found fascinating as well. So he went to this doctor who was kind of renowned for the drugs, but the drugs were, the doctor was also really big into anti-aging. And there's the, he was saying how when he went in, there's some like people who were like Hollywood stars and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, he was saying... Uh, being a little bit older, his eyesight had started to kind of dwindle away, and he said when he was taking the drugs, his eyesight came back. Yeah. And it, so scars. Were yeah, healing. scars were healing, were disappearing on his face, and it was just really fascinating, eh? Yeah. And I, so you're saying the performance-wise that he definitely noticed that the strength just was there, and, and in the longer rides, he would just have more than he'd ever had before, and he was riding for riders who were stronger with him, and also how. Um, you know, you do a 200k ride and the next day you get up feeling fresh as daisies. And I think that was the main thing that he pulled out <coughs> of the whole thing that he, yes, he got faster and stronger, yep. not like he was going to be a world champion yeah. or anything. The main thing was the recovery. Around, yeah. He could do it, you know, normally when he did a 200 mile race, he'd be shattered. Yep. And then he just said he could get up the next day and just do it, no problems at all. Yep. And he did a, well, how far was the race he did in, in France? It was like 700 yeah, kilometers yeah, or something, yep. continuous. And he finished it and he could have done it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which guess, for which for endurance athletes, and that's you know that's why the the tour riders do it is they they've got to do twenty twenty one days or twenty days of continuous yeah. riding. Yeah. So um, yeah, good read. So get on there and we'll yeah. put the link up on that's the website. website. Uh, Lars Eric. Uh, Lars is from Norway, so we do spread the word of Ironman far yeah, wide. Yeah, we're loving that, eh? Yeah. So, so he's but, planning on doing a micro epic. Um, we've got a lot of questions on that. When we get back, you should do a how to do an epic type yeah, of thing. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll save that one. Up. Yeah. Um, so we'll save. We'll give, we'll give you some more information on uh, sort of mini epics and, yep. and what you can do there. And then also, due to work etc., he's planning on doing a race on the twenty fourth of June. Big training weekend, which right, is so only four weeks before. So he's going to do a big training weekend uh, with a few of his mates, and it's obviously going to be pretty huge. Uh, he's got Ironman Nice on the 24th of June. He's just basically wondering, is that too close to your big race four weeks? If it's a Nice distance, I'd definitely say yes. I mean, that's a 4K swim, 120K bike, 30K run, so I'd definitely say that is too close. Generally, what I get athletes to do um, around about four weeks out, four to five weeks out, is to do a half Ironman simulation, but at Ironman pace. So... I'd probably be saying if you're going to do that knee race, it'd probably be a little bit too close. Okay. Um, but the uh, so how, what six weeks? Uh, those knee races will still knock you around quite a bit because they're just so tough. Yeah, uh, I think if you want to, um, if you really want to do well in your A race, I wouldn't do the knee race. I'd probably maybe do do a half Ironman or something like that, but at a very very controlled controlled pace. Generally, I'd say if you're going to race a half Ironman around about eight weeks out, um, eight to ten weeks out would be really good. For big training weekends? No, yeah. for, for, for doing a, a really good blowout race. Yeah, okay. Anything after sort of about seven weeks before the race, I'd be suggesting that you do a very controlled race or a simulation at Ironman pace. Um, but in terms of doing a uh, big week around about the 25th to 28th of May, uh, that would be perfectly fine. Okay. Nice. We'll go into a bit more detail on that. Uh, We've got a couple of fun websites. Uh, we got an email through from Stephen. Yep, Stephen and Anne. Could be in as well. Yeah. And uh, there's a Ford Lloyd Landers rap on YouTube. Yeah, I did actually watch it the other day. It's quite entertaining. Listen, yeah. listen to the lyrics. They're quite, quite funny. Yeah, give me a bit of, so bit of strife. Of, yeah, link And then, uh, then Fagan, oh, Gary, actually. Gary sent us through a link to uh, the Iron Man ironing board. Yes. That was very good. Yep. 
It's quite practical too. So we're going to have those links on our websites. Um, we do have some few more questions to go through, but because we're kind of, I'm basically getting on a plane pretty soon. So. And we're at 54 months. Yeah, we're going to have to call that a day. So anyway, uh, Iron Man Talk is brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii at coffeesofhawaii.com, um, which is really exciting because we're going to have T-shirts. We're going to have a bit of an auction. Up, not an auction. <laughs> I mean, we could raise some money. We for could this auction course. our Coffees of Hawaii. But uh, no, Coffees of Hawaii, a proud supporter of the show, and we're going to anybody who comes up to us at Iron Man New Zealand at Blue Seventy booth, says they listen to the show, we'll go into the draw to win a pretty cool Coffees of Hawaii T-shirt. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to order some of this vanilla McNut. Vanilla McNut. You like a bit of vanilla McNut? Wow, wouldn't it be an awesome blend? Yeah. 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 Well, you just like it because there's a picture of a lady on the No, I do not. De- derobing herself. No, not at all. She's, <laughs> she's bathing. So, uh, vanilla <laughs> McNut, so, uh, McNut is a delicious Hawaiian island style vanilla macadamia oh, nut. Oh, it does Medium sound good. dark roast and lightly flavoured with tropical vanilla and macadamia nut. Oh, that sounds really good, doesn't it? It does. It sounds, sounds good. Gold. So, for a seven ounce bag, it's six bucks. For a two pound bag, it's 24. And for a five pound bag, it's 50 bucks. So, oh. good value. Um, right, you know when you're, when you're your food and it makes your mouth water. Oh, you're watering. Um, you're, you're salivating. I'm salivating you over it. Tissue, you got dribble. It's not the photo. There. It's not the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so get onto their coffeesofhawaii.com. If you're ordering from the states or Canada, you can just go through the online shop. Ordering anywhere else from the world, pop them an email, say you're an Iron Man Talk listener, and they will take care of you. Yeah, and again, we're going to have a draw for t-shirts, so when you come along, we'll give you a card, yep. and uh, we'll put your name on it, we'll draw some cards, and Albert will send you through some t-shirts, and uh, that'll be sensational. Maybe we could scheme some... Exactly. <laughs> Albert, you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, because that's sensational. Anyway, um, what else? Okay, so just our little kind of bits. Uh, can you please go on the website and click on one ad? Everyone's doing that lots, and it's really great. Appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, if you want to buy that book, it's on our website as well. Uh, go to the Iron Man Talk store if you're going to buy anything from Amazon. And I appreciate someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone wanted to buy something from Amazon the other day, couldn't find a page and emailed me first. And I thought it was really cool. Oh, because, you know, it's good to see you guys supporting the show. Um, and just with that, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who listens to the show. I don't think we've really kind of turned around no. and said thanks. No. Yeah. I was just kind of reflecting on my Iron Man training for the year because it's kind of coming up to the race and how much I've learned through doing the show. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like it's been great for a job. And I, or for me at least, I can talk for myself. That's that. been great for me too, buddy. Yeah, because I've just been, I've learned so much myself as an athlete and grown so much just through doing the show. And I think the fact that you guys listen to the show gives John and I the motivation to keep it going and it just reinforces a lot of good basic principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just really appreciate you guys listening and supporting the show. And uh, 